Welcome to The Pen and the Yod, Community and the Challenge of Technology. Rabbi Michael Siegel of Anshe Amit Synagogue in Chicago talks with author Jonathan Eig about Parsha Bamidbar, the importance of counting others and the creation of community in the age of technology. Let me ask you a question. Were you good in math when you were growing up? <laughs> I failed math three times in high school. I had to go to summer school every year. You know, it's funny. I went to summer school for handwriting, but I didn't go to summer school for that, but... I could, I should have. <laughs> so we have something in common. Because if you like numbers, this is the right portion for you. Is Let's skip it. <laughs> Sorry, it doesn't work that way. Let's see what we can learn from Bamidbar. Bamidbar is all about numbering people, counting. And it is the census for the people of Israel as they're preparing to go into the land. And this is a census that is going to help the uh, people, the generals, and those to know who they have, who are the fighting people, who are ready to go forward, who can be depended on to fight the war as they prepare to go into the land of Canaan. But the rabbis do something interesting here, and they talk about numbering as a statement about not the practical aspect of warfare, but rather as a way of valuing people, to make people count. To, and, and, I, and I'm struck by the fact that this is a message given to a people that were enslaved. They were in Egypt. They were on the lowest of all rungs. And now the creator of the entire universe is coming to them and saying, you count, you matter, I value you. It's a powerful, powerful idea, don't you think? Yes, it is. Um, being counted uh, as a people, when you're a former slave, matters a lot, matters a great deal. And for God to say, write it down, take names, take numbers, give me an accounting of who you are, that has a strong sense of identity for people who formerly were treated as property. And uh, we can relate that to our own history um, in America. You know, I, I don't like numbers, but I do love the census. I love um, census as a research tool. And as I've been researching the life of Martin Luther King, I went back through the census to see if, how far back I could track his, his ancestors. And of course, during the years of slavery, they weren't counted as people. They were counted as property. So their names were not recorded. They were list, there, were, there would be a list of how many slaves were on a piece of property and whether they were male or female and what their age was. And that was it. So we cannot trace, this is one of the great Americans ever born, Martin Luther King's family, we cannot trace his family back into slavery only after slavery. So here's a case where the fact that people were not even worthy of being counted is a statement about their humanity. That's right. They were property. They weren't humans. It's quite possible that people took more care to count their cattle than to count their slaves in any meaningful way. But either way, it would have been in the same category. Yeah, they counted farm equipment. They counted cattle, they counted horses, and they counted um, slaves. They were all in the same, same category. But there it was a counting uh, not to humanize them, but to dehumanize them. That's which right. is something, by the way, Jews obviously relate to. In fact, there are, there are issues in, the, in, in rabbinic literature about counting. The rabbis are not big fans of counting. Hmm that in some cases it invites the evil eye, but those of us who um, know about the Shoah, grew up with people with numbers on their arms, understand that kind of counting and de counting as a form of 
dehumanization as, a, as opposed to a form of giving people their humanity. Yeah, I tried that excuse with my math teachers and it didn't work. <laughs> That's true. So let me ask you a question. In our age here in America, looking at the African-American experience, there are those people who are talking about reparations. And there are all kinds of arguments that are being made against it, economic arguments, etc. Why do you think, if you do, that this is a good idea, that this is something that we should consider as a nation? In fact, maybe even follow through on well, I think you can use the census as an example to support, and I do support the idea of reparations. Not that it's ever going to repay what people suffered. You, you can't ever fully compensate. You can't make complete reparations for that. But as a symbol, as a gesture to say, yes, we took these people as slaves. They didn't come here voluntarily. It's different from immigrants who came here knowing that they might have to work in sweatshops. These people were, were dragged in chains away from their families, sold, split up from their from their children, mortgaged, deeded killed if they were required to, raped, and then after slavery ended, still forced to work in unfair conditions as sharecroppers, imprisoned, mass incarceration continues today, a direct line. You know, you can just draw the direct line from slavery. I think when you don't count people as people, it takes a long time for society, for history, to begin thinking them as full people. And I think that a lot of folks still struggle with that today. So in a way, sorry isn't enough. In other words, you have to take a direct action that's going to impact you to really express just how sorry you are, to test how sorry you are. You know, there's a parallel to this in the post-Second World War universe. The Germans gave reparations to Jews around the world. They gave them a sum of money, and people, many people, depended on that. It was a huge controversy, though. Americans also gave money to the Japanese who were interned in camps. Uh, right. So there's a precedent uh, in yeah. our own government. One of the greatest critics of this was Menachem Begin, who later went to become prime minister. He said, that's blood money. Mm. We're not accepting this. Because if we accept the money, he argued, then we are also saying that this is a form of apology. And we don't. there's no apology that you could possibly, there, there's no way to rectify. Do you agree with that? Are there some sins at, at Yom Kippur we cannot um, atone for? Well, first of all, that's a good question. The sins that we are atoning for in Yom Kippur are sins between us and God. The sins between us and other human beings, we have to atone for. We have to go to them and win win my, um, their forgiveness. My question remains, are there some sins that we cannot atone for yes. between man and God? I think that God is more forgiving, and I think God is more open. But the fact is, is that murder is still murder. Rape is still rape. And I don't know that they are forgivable. We can find an accommodation to continue on. But the fact that someone is sorry for murdering someone doesn't mean that, in the Torah's perspective, that capital punishment is not still warranted. So... The reality is, is that, no, not every sin is forgivable, but the nation itself has to go through this process. The person has to go to the other person and apologize. They have to go and ask for forgiveness. Three times you're supposed to go back to that person, and if the person turns you down for the third time, you don't have to go back anymore. But the process of asking for forgiveness is exceptionally important. It is an acknowledgement of what you have done, an acknowledgement of what 
should have been done. And so in a very real way, the reparations was as important or more important to the Germans than to the people receiving the funds. Reparations for the Japanese, and so that's the question today. Those kinds of reparations can make all the difference as far as the process of moving forward. Yeah, and I think whether you accept the funds is irrelevant. I think the important thing is that the, that the acknowledgement be made that we have caused pain, we have caused suffering, we have benefited from the pain that we caused. Many people grew rich, wealthy, massive corporations were built on the backs of slaves. That should be, you know, that should be acknowledged. That's an interesting question about corporations who have sinned and what is... And, and corporation is a person now. We've The Supreme Court says that the corporation can make uh, donations to the campaigns as an individual. So, and corporations can be sued. So can they make reparations? Should they make reparations? That is a form of punishment. And I think that, in fact, that makes a tremendous amount of sense from the tourist point of view. But I come back to the fact that Germany is probably the most enlightened country when it comes to the Holocaust. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that they made tshuva to the best of their ability during, those, during that time period. And I think the United States can learn a lesson from that as well to begin this process of trying to understand, as opposed to saying, look how far people of color have come in this country. Look at the field of candidates running for office today. Look at Congress today. Look at... Look at the uh, black and brown people who are being represented. Let's celebrate that. Let's celebrate, you know, athletes and uh, pop stars and all the rest. No, you can't get not not so all, fat. That's yeah, all that's that fine, but if you really want enough. people to count, then we have to also acknowledge when they weren't counted. That's right. And imagine if uh, you went back to the, through the census and looked up your grandparents and great grandparents and found that they were listed alongside the cattle. Or you looked at your family tree and it suddenly stops. Exactly, and that's and the for case. Jews, uh, that's for black, uh, blacks right. and Jews. And I guess, you know, in closing, this really does speak to the importance of the affinity between African Americans and Jews in this country. We should be each other's witnesses. We should be standing with each other and giving voice to what it means when people are denigrated, when people are stripped of their identity, when people become numbers and are not counted and they're devalued and they're not being seen as people created in the image of God. Thanks for making the time. Nice to talk to you. Good talking to you too.